0: Hello, everyone. You're listening to Unlocking Greatness Podcast with Zendra Glass. Uh, The audio may not be as uh, sound uh, because I'm recording from my car on a Sunday afternoon. I just left church and I have to feed you what was just fed to me. I literally just pulled over on the side of the road uh, by a lake just so that I can share with you. Uh, what my minister just shared, because it has truly lifted my spirit. He focused in 2 Kings chapter 5, and he focused on this young girl who was taken captive from Israel to take care of this uh, mistress. And even though she was um, in unthinkable situations, to be quite honest, uh, having to be taken away from her family and, and all that she went through, what she chose to do in a moment when someone was in need was just unreal. And the whole premise of the message that he was giving is uh, what story are we going to feed ourselves and believe when we feel the scales are not balanced, when we feel that life is not going in the direction that we think it should go. And especially when we feel that we're in situations where someone has um, uh, not been fair to us or perhaps not treating us the way that we treat them or not showing us love or not Or did us wrong in the past, and now all of a sudden need us, or whatever the case may be. So I went into church with a little bit of a heavy heart because of a situation going on in my life. And I felt, I was feeling like, God, what do you do when you're doing your best to follow? I'm doing my best to follow you. But when I, in another area of my life, I feel like, um, I'm not being treated fairly. Like, how do you handle that? And so, in Second Kings chapter five, I just want to read it through really quickly so you all can get the gist of the story, and then I want to uh, uh, kind of talk about what he he what he went into. And this is really powerful. My minister, his name is Winston, by the way. But uh, in Second Kings chapter five, verse one, it says, "Now Naham was a commander of the army of the king of of Aram." He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, he but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Nahum's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure his him of his leprosy. Nahum went to his master and told him what the girl um, from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Nahum left, taking with him ten um, uh, talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter uh, that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Nahum to you, uh, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? But Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. Now just as if so you guys remember, Elijah is the one we've talked about a lot in Second Kings chapter six. Remember he's the one that um when the king of Aram was coming to kill him? Uh, he t- And his servant was afraid because their house was surrounded. And he said, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Is that Elijah that they're talking about? So so just follow me. In verse 8, uh, I'm still in Second Kings chapter 5, verse 8. When Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he would know that there's a prophet in Israel. Now, you know, you got to be bad to say, had a man come to me. And and he's gonna know that there is a prophet in Israel. In other words, I'm an, I'll cure him. Have him come to me. Verse nine. So Naham went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Elijah sent a messenger to 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 say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be stored will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naham went away angry and said. I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Pharpar the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Now, he got some nerve. First of all, the Jordan River wasn't known as the cleanest river, just so you guys are aware of that. And this man is basically like, you're going to send me into some nasty river. At least he perceived it to be nasty. Aren't there better rivers I can go into? So anyway, let me keep going. So the guy goes on to say, "...couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed?" So he turned and went off in a rage. I'm in verse 13 now. Nahum's servants went to him and said, "...my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it?" How much more then when he tells you, mm, "...wash and be cleansed?" So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his, f- in his flesh was restored and he became clean." Like that of a young boy. Then Nahum and all his attendants went back to the man of God. We're talking Elisha. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Nahum urged him, he refused. And so what my minister did, and I can't take credit for this because this is all coming from my minister. He focused on this young girl. He said, what is it about this young girl that would make her even want to help him? He said, think about that for just a moment. She was taken captive. I'm sure she had plans in her life. I'm sure sure she didn't want to be taken from her family. And now she's here taking care of this man's wife. Who knows all the things they had this poor young girl do. Didn't nobody know what she knew. So if the commander of the army is walking around with leprosy. She could have just kept quiet and been like, you know, good for you. Took taking me from my family. Making me do all this work. I don't want to be here in the first place. I could help you, but I'm not doing Jack. He said her heart could have now, I'm paraphrasing what my minister said. I'm using my own words now. But his point was that her heart, she could have chosen to stick with her own story. And you know how sometimes we go through things and we constantly replay those tapes of how somebody did us wrong and how they mistreated us. And and, and again, I'm not referencing if you've been abused in a situation, you guys. So that that's, that's, that's an outlier. Let's put that to the side. I'm talking in, in, in situations where we feel like someone's just done us wrong, not treating us well or what have you. And the point is, is that she could have very easily just stuck with that and been like, now that you need me, good luck because I'm not helping you. But why did she do what she did? She went with God's story instead of her own. And and that's why I titled this, or I think I'm going to title this, But God. And and I want to jump a little bit with this because she could have very easily not done anything to help this man. By showing him where he needed to go to be cured, she could have kept that to her doggone self because she didn't want to be there in the first place. In a situation... When we're going through what we feel, man, this is just not right. And now all of a sudden you need me. Can God trust us to still honor him in our lives and do what's right? Can he trust us? Can we trust him with our story? I think that was another point my minister made is, can you trust him with your story? Even when it seems unjust. Or do we want to stick with our own stories and just stay in that mode? Then he messed up by referencing Joseph. And you guys know how much I love Joseph. He said, I want everybody to turn over to jo- uh, to the book of, uh, I think he said, Genesis 35. Now, I'm not going to read all through it. Uh, Genesis 37, I'm sorry. And he started off with talking about, you know, Joseph had a dream. God gave him a vision. Remember his brothers um, got jealous of him, sold Joseph into slavery. Remember that? And, uh, um, and, 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 and Joseph ended up going into Potiphar's house. And in every situation in Joseph's life, even when he was thrown in a cistern, when his brothers sold him, The Bible always speaks about, but God. So despite the story, despite the circumstances, but God, it says, but God was with him, but God showed him favor. Remember when he went into Potiphar's house and and he became, I think like second in command in Potiphar's house. And the Bible talks about that. I'm just trying to save you guys the gist of it, but read Joseph, uh, Genesis 37 all the way through maybe 45. And you guys know the story. Joseph's wife turned around and did him wrong, accusing him of doing some stuff that he didn't do. And what happened? Joseph ended up going to jail. But what happened when he was in jail? The Bible talks about, but God was with him. There's a constant mention of, but God, despite what it looks like, despite the hardship, even despite the mistreatment. And you don't even deserve to be dealing with what you're dealing with right now. But God was always there showing that favor taking care of them even in that situation. But then he didn't finish there. He went on into the end of uh, Genesis. I should say the end. I think it was chapter um, 45. And he read this part to to, to bring it all the way back to this young girl again. You guys got to hear this. So let me get my glasses real quick. Because I'm actually sitting here in my car on the side of a road on a Sunday. Just so I can pour this into your spirit. In Genesis 45... Uh, it says in verse one, then Joseph couldn't, uh, hold on, let me get to it. This is when his brothers, let me, let me back up for those who don't know the story. Joseph's brothers did him wrong, real wrong, right? He was about 17 years old. Joseph at this point is about 30. So just do some math on that. Some math on that. Okay. There was a great famine, severe famine. In fact, so bad that his brothers, his family had to travel to, I think this was Egypt to, uh, beg and, and, and get food or, or at least to buy some food. So, I'm picking up from that point. Last time they saw Joseph, he was 17 years old, and they was jealous of the dream that God gave him and sold his butt. Now now he's 30, and here's what's happening. Genesis 45 verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, "Have everyone leave my presence." So there was no one with Joseph where he made himself known to his brothers. Uh, so there was no one. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. I in. I'm in verse uh, verse two. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, because that whole time they didn't know that his brother was the one that was second in command in, in Egypt at this point. By the way, when Joseph got out of jail and I'm sorry, I, I forget, I, I skipped this part. There was a cupbearer who uh, Joseph helped when he was in jail well, that cupbearer needed him two years later and the cupbearer sent for him and it wasn't until he needed him. Of course, let me just stress that wasn't until he needed him that he sent for him and this cupbearer had Joseph interpret a dream for Pharaoh. Pharaoh liked him so much. And again, it says, but God, God showed favor and, and he then became second in command, even in Pharaoh's household. So he's second in command. I believe this was in all of Egypt. Unreal. Second in command, once again, God has showed him favor through every situation. So now I'm I'm, I'm picking this back up. Uh, The famine was so severe when when Joseph's brothers and family was coming to buy food. Guess who's in charge? Guess who's in charge? Joseph. So now I'm going to pick it back up. I'm in verse three. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But the brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were thinking the last time we saw your butt, we had sold you into slavery at age 17. And now here we are trembling before you. You second in command over all of this. And without your help, we're going to die. I'm sure they thought that they were going to get what was due to them. And many would say rightfully so. Let's pick this on up. Verse four. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then I'm in verse eight. It was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now, hurry back and get my father and blah, 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 blah. Then he basically goes on to say, go get my daddy, get everybody else, bring them on back. I'm going to give y'all some land. I'm giving y'all food. I'm taking care of you. Now, let me bring this back to this young lady. She chose to go with the same story. Joseph could have very easily... Use this as an opportunity to say, look what you did. Now you need me ain't helping you. Joseph could have been extremely bitter and hateful and resentment in his heart. They did him wrong. Joseph suffered greatly. But the question is, now I'm kind of drifting and add my two cents on to my minister's message, message. Can God trust you with his story? I went into church with a little bit of a heavy heart because I was feeling some of this. I don't need to share the details, but I was definitely feeling some of this. Feeling like this is this this, this is just not right. Like, God, these skills don't look balanced. And when my minister read this story, and then my minister had the audacity to refer to um, um, uh, another passage about the young girl. Well, the same passage about the young girl, but, but the audacity to put another spin on it, which is that this young girl, she so easily could have not helped, but she chose in that situation to go with God's story and to bring the glory to God. Can he trust us to do the same? Can we trust God with our story? And we get a choice. We get a choice with how we're going to see our situation. I thought about Psalm 23. I read, um, I try at least to read the Bible with my 17 uh, year old at night. Um, and we were at Psalm 23. I had him read it. And when he was reading through Psalm 23, when he got to the point where it says, um, thou prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I said, son, hold on right there. Hold on right there. I go, what does that mean? And of course, you know, my son, he's laughing and looking at me like, "Mom, why are you so dramatic? Like, you know, let me just read it because he probably just wanted to read it and get back to playing his games or whatever. I'm like, son, please pause on that. Pause. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And and, and he said, well, I guess, Mom, mean, you know, at some point, maybe the people that did us wrong or whatever. Uh, maybe, you know, they're going to see we turned out OK or we, we you know, we, we're we doing fine or, or, or what have you. And I said that, that that's kind of what it is. But I said, think about it. You at the head of the table, are the very people that did you wrong. Just think on that for a moment, you guys. And this ain't about pride. This is not about arrogance. This is not about, see, look at me. I don't mean that at all. I just mean that when we trust God's story and allow him to do what he needs to do in our life, he will turn it all around and God knows I'm a living witness. I sat there in church crying like you would not believe when I thought about the the, the scriptures my minister went over and I thought about the night before reading Psalm 23 with my son. I said to myself and I said to my son when he read it, I said, "What does the next verse say? And then he said, mom, now it says um, thou anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows.'" I said, stop right there. What does that mean? Why is the cup overflowing? Can God trust you to help those who hurt you in the past? Now, let me let me let me stress on this. Before you start commenting, that does not mean you go back to people that's abused you. That does not mean you be best friends with people that do not need to even be in your life no more. I just mean in situations where clearly someone has done you wrong, hurt you, not treated you well, or whatever the situation may be, and somehow, some way, God has positioned you to be in a position either at the head of the table or in a position where they need your help. The help could just be a prayer. To be honest, the help could be just giving them a word of God. The help could be feeding them like Joseph did. The help could be, you know, giving them some instruction and direction like this young girl did to Nahum, to help him. Can God trust us when he has blessed us and turned our situations around? To not hold on to that anger, that hatred, that resentment, that bitterness, whatever it is. And turn around and be the help that someone may need that has caused some form of hurt with us in the past. And again, you got to be wise with that. So don't take this out of context. Please don't take this out of context and run in the wrong direction. I just mean in general. God sent me. And that's what I love about when I, when I was just reading what Joseph said, uh, if you read, uh, Genesis and I'm gonna wrap this up now, you guys, in Genesis chapter 45, it constantly keeps references, you know, God sent him ahead, God sent him, or he'll say, but God, I know that this is what happened, but God, I know your situation may not look like what you want it to look like, but God, he has the power to turn it around. He has the power to do things that you, you can't even imagine. My minister, one of the things he said in the sermon, he, he, he said, sometimes we can get so fixated on rehearsing the stories over and over and over again, what people did to us or what's not right. Because many of us, at least for me, I'm, I'm still in a situation I feel this ain't quite right. And he said, but you got to stop playing God. He said, you can't make somebody change or force somebody to change. What what is it in us that we're upset and mad because they're not behaving and doing or 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 treating us the way we feel we need to be treated. Now, ain't nothing wrong with standing up for yourself. I'm not I'm not saying you just kind of be like a rug and let people do anything to you. But I got what he was saying. Because and, and this is my way of saying it, because sometimes people are just simply being who they need to be. Catch this. Just catch this. And then you can just turn this off after this. Sometimes people. Are just being who they need to be so that God can do what He needs to do in your life to make a move. My God. Sometimes, I believe many times, if you want my honest opinion, when the situations as they're unfolding and God knows it looks so unjust. So unjust. And I'm sure so many of you have your own stories where you can relate like, my God, Z, I'm trying to do what's right before God. I'm trying to treat this person right. And I feel like I'm getting walked over. Do I just need to go left field and start cursing people out again? You know, cussing people out? Do Do I need to just go left field and start doing this and doing that? Sometimes they're doing exactly what they need to be doing. So that God can position you to do what he needs to do. And Joseph, and Joseph is such a prime example of that to me. He says to his brothers, God sent me ahead of you. Verse 7, but God sent me ahead of you. He says it again. Verse 8, so it was not you who sent me here, but God. I know you did me wrong. You treated me bad. You sure did. You talked about me. You sure did. You did some things that hurt me to this, to, to this day that hurt me. But God allowed me to go through that in my life so I can become who I need to be. My minister said to me, I talked to him after the sermon. I said, you know, I could barely stand the seat because I was just crying and throwing my hands up in the air. He said, see, you know, I, I saw you from the pulpit. He said, I saw you. He said, but let me tell you to see. Because he knows a little bit more about some situations. I won't go into detail, but he said about 10 or 12 or so years ago, when things really started to get hot and you start to go through some of the things that you're dealing with, he said, I knew you then and I know you now. And he said, do you think it's possible that you would be the same woman you are today and having the impact that you have now, had you not gone through any of the things that presented itself to you? And I said, absolutely not. And he says, I agree with you, Z. He said, now you still probably would have been leading the Bible talk. You've always loved God, always been a giver. He said, you would have done a few things and this and that. But he said, but the impact, the impact you are having on the world, let alone the congregation, especially women, people who's been through long suffering, who's going through things in their lives, the impact He says, I I truly believe, as you have just said, would not be as great as it is now. And I can't even disagree with him. And not only the impact, I'm talking my life in general. I am talking my life in general from business. I mean, you name it, every area of my life. If it were not for what I'm going through and the way I was treated in some situations, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. So I sit here and I say to you, my sisters. I think it's a few guys listen to the podcast as well. So I should say my brothers. But I say this to you all. Trust God with your story. My minister challenged me before I left. He says, every day, Z, when you think about your story, when you think about where you're going with, you need to start off with the words, but God sent me. But God sent me. But God sent me. And he says, if you keep yourself in that mindset, you'll know he's always at work. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, that means your story ain't over. That means God's still working and doing some things in your life right now. So I pray as I'm praying for myself that we start each day off with, but God, this situation may not be right, but God, I may not have a place really to lay my head right now and I'm jumping house to house, but God. I may mean, not like the way I'm being treated in this situation, but God, my kids ain't acting at all like I wish for them that, but God, I thought about my son. I'm coming up on the year of his death in just a few days. And I was at the cemetery yesterday for a very long time. And I had to sit there and thank God for the years he gave me to be a mother to him. And as I think about the pain that I experience as a mom, and I don't wish this on anybody, to ever lose a child. I don't wish that on anyone. But I think through all of the people who has written me and given comments and said, Z, I lost a loved one or I lost my child years ago. I gave up on God. You got me back in my Bible. But God! There's so many situations in our life and I want to take it back to this young girl because this ain't even about me. This is about this young girl. She could have absolutely Kept her mouth closed, allowed the suffering to continue with this man who I don't think she had any uh, reason to really try to bless or help him, especially after you don't took me from my doggone family. Devil is a lie. And this young girl had a but God moment. I was sent for this reason. And, of course, if you go on and read the story, you'll see what, what, what he went on to do and proclaim, you know, hey, Israel is the, you know, uh, the, the, this is where the true God is and all of that. So, anyway, I love you all. I pray this has encouraged you. I'm sitting here in my car. I'm literally pulled over on the side of a road. Something in my spirit said, you got a feed in what you've just been fed. Hold on, my brothers and my sisters. Hold on. God ain't done with your story yet. He has the power to turn it all around. And when he does turn it around, and for those of you that he has turned it around, walk in humility. Don't use that as a moment to start showing off. Walk in humility. Give to those who haven't given to you. Now, be wise in the situations, so you get my point. But give to those. And remember, but God. Every lie the devil tries to tell you, say, but. But God, well, you got your degree. How is it? You still out of a job, but God, but look at, look what happened in this situation with your marriage or in this relationship or with your child, but God, but, but look what happened in the workplace and how they treat you and da da da. but God, every situation, I want you to say, but God, and if you want to finish that sentence, say, but God sent me, he's sending us ahead to do what we need to do and to proclaim his, proclaim his glory. I love you all. I got to go get something to eat. ain't had nothing to eat yet. I just had to pull over and give this message. This is Z with Unlocking Greatness Podcast. I sincerely pray this message has helped you. Bye-bye.